Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. Find it first on the Go Loud app and on all major podcast platforms. Chris Morris and Kayvon Novak Kayvon Novak yeah Kayvon Novak is the guy from fucking What We Did in the Shadows yeah you would do him yeah he's beautiful Chris Morris I don't know why I'm attracted to men the last two weeks I'm not I'm not usually I'm not I'm not usually like into men I'm like I don't care about these men whatever do whatever you want but I'm like it's very unlike you very unlike me I'm an itchy back Sarah what the fuck um, Who are you harassing? I had this guy mm-hmm. called Dan from work. I just sent him a message that said "fuck toy," and I'm like, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> like, why did you say that? <laughs> I was saying, "fuck you." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish. Are those messages monitored? Uh, I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not monitored. monitored. They're like, they're not monitored. No, but to if, they, a point. if there's like w- certain words that they, they like. delete after 30 days. Well, if they are being monitored, I'm being monitored constantly because I use the word cunt I say fuck Mamazon fuck Mamazon <laughs> like, fuck I say Mamazon. Uh, what's his face I say Bezos can suck it on like a daily basis <laughs> um, a physio I'd fuck yeah I call him a physio I think one day I sent one of those lizard pictures of him to somebody <laughs> Christ. I'm a fucking mole, Emma. Are there people in Amazon that you deal with that think he's like yeah. shit? Yeah, they're like he's so he's like a. Be- I get this sentence all the time. He's like a beautiful mind type of person. I'm like, no, he's not. He's capitalist. Uh, he's, uh, he's just a cunt, like yeah. And they say that about another guy they, that's like the was... vice president of uh, one of the areas yeah. who's like really close to this guy. They always say that about um, Steve Jobs as well. And he was just a terrible person. Yeah, Steve Jobs is a horrible human being. Um, who stole a lot of his ideas. Steve Jobs wasn't even that smart. Like, a lot of his ideas was a terrible, like, abandoned his child, like, was not a good person. He abandoned his child! I abandoned my child! I, I drink! abandoned my child! You're a milkshake! Here, I had to, um, tell me your Thai story. I had Thai story, Sarah. Oh, yeah. Um, the Thai story? Yeah. Oh, well, no, it's out of context. Oh. Um, but Connie was going on about rubbing his ties and eating meat in the yeah. train. My brother-in-law was playing football and it was like a final football match and this is going back. I would say at least 15 or 16 years ago. Right. My brother-in-law is like, not any, well, not not anymore, just he's too old, he doesn't play football like he used to. Right. But he was like renowned for being like a really dirty player. <gasps> he's like, let's go back. So he'd hack the legs off you and yeah, he'd go yeah. for dirty tackles. But someone went in for a really dirty tackle against him. And like got on, like stood on his ties with his boots. Ooh. And a red card and I was producing, the other guy was taking off. And then so when uh, he stood up, he was kind of limping. So he was standing at the side of the pitch and he was like, they were like kind of checking to see if he's okay. And some man, but like we all thought he was like with the team, yeah. came over and started to like, Rub his ties? Yeah, but he was like, pulled up his shorts and was like rubbing his ties. Oh, like a medical person or something? Yeah. And he was like rubbing his ties and then he was like, ah, you're all right, you're all right. Like, he was like, you'd be grand, you'd be grand. And then like, was kind of rubbing them more and more creepily. And then, 
what the I fuck? I just remember Jared being like, Joe fucking Dorothy, hands off me! Like that. And me being like, what? And the guy was like, not with the football team. Just a random man came up and started rubbing his thighs. Just a random man. <laughs> and then the fellow was like, oh, I was only trying to help you. And he got like, he got put, he was put back on the pit and he went in and gave a supremely like, disgusting tackle and then got banned They're for like eight matches and got fucking char- like had to pay money Jeez, fine. that's like Collins brother Collins brother plays rugby in GAA and uh, he's really good but I remember we when I we were younger like I'd be in Collins house and his mum would be like we're going to Peter Shredwood to the match and then I would always say to Colin I wonder when we're gonna, get, we're gonna get the phone call we'd always get a phone call about three hours later being like Peter Edwards in the hospital because they would go Mangling. after him yeah. like it was crazy because he was so good they were like take him out Yeah, it's crazy the amount of times I've been calling and be like Peter Edwards has pulled a thing he's broken a thing we're in the hospital with Peter Edwards constantly oh. every single match but yeah like they would actively try and like kill him kill him and take mm. him out like it's fucking nuts yeah absolutely crazy I do remember uh, when on um, one of my very first football matches and I was uh, I know I told the story but I was the only girl on the football team and um, I remember I was like midfield which is a good position like What's it's a strong mean? position you're in, like in the mid of, middle field. of the field what do you do there you're, you can be a striker because you're in the middle of the field so okay. you can make it all the way up yeah. or you're defending and what what you're trying to do is to make good decisions with the players that are behind you. Okay. I can't remember fully. I wouldn't but have I remember so I, was, I believe everything I was you're really right good now. at toe poking the ball. Toe poking? Yeah, I could toe poke the shit out of a ball. What does toe poking mean? I can kick a ball ridiculously far. Good woman. And I have a good aim, so I could from like the middle of the field, if it was like a <gasps> if it was not a windy day, I could get it in the goal. Look at you. Um anyway. Uh, and this guy I remember this like guy that was like so there's it's called watching you or he's like so he's the equivalent to you watch her but he yeah right yeah. and um, he was like up behind me and he was like I, he said something negative but I can't remember what it was to you yeah but whatever ended up happening I got really annoyed and I punched him in the face and broke his nose oh shit it was like my first match on but he retaliated and he like like fair play to him for retaliating like he'd every right to oh, um, and this other guy that was on the field with me he jumped in and he got a broken nose too he was trying to protect me I don't know I came out alright like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was banned for like four games four games yeah, so they my, can ban you oh yeah 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 it depended on how like and it can go up against like the ethics board of like the and my granddad was so proud he was like, go, go, go. he was like, ban for four games. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I cannot remember. I think it was a Hector and Lorita podcast. I was saying this to Colin and they were talking about this football player. Colin will know his name. I can't remember his name. Uh, and he was like either a goalie or he was a player on the team. But what he did before the match is he put a bet on for, this was in 1995, oh, yeah, yeah. for £47,000 yeah. for his team to win 3 nil. So... I think it was like after half time they were up 3-0 and he was like right don't score any more goals we'll just keep it like down the other side or whatever they said yeah. I don't understand football and he was like don't don't score any more goals just keep it the way it is we don't know but the lads didn't listen to him and scored another goal and then so they were 4-0 up and then the, they scored the goal the camera just panned around to him and he was just like <laughs> disgusted because <laughs> he was after losing £47,000 but then he got found out and they like you know, it's so you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's like insider trading. You can't do that. You but can't. I was like, that's crazy that he thought he could fucking get away with that. Well, there is loads of story. Like, it's there's nuts. tons of stories of like within like that's sports. Ba- that's basically max match fixing. Like yes. in some in some respects, to a degree. But like, because you can't influence everybody. But the like, so the whole idea is that it's banned because 
you could actively try yeah, and build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so many stories. It's really common in sports overall. Oh my god, yeah. I know boxing is boxing like is the worst for um, like the story I'm going to do today some of that crowd <gasps> went on to be involved in boxing boxing is like heavily heavily it, surrounded by like gra- gangland criminality isn't and corruption isn't there a famous guy I don't know anyone's name I'm sorry I can't believe this is turning into a sports podcast I know anyway but isn't there this famous YouTuber who's boxing now yeah well he and was he, boxing against like and apparently they're fixing those matches are all being fixed yeah like, because um, what's because his name Bernie, Paul Logan or Logan so Paul or he whatever hits, he hit a box some boxer guy or the boxer guy hit him and he should have fallen but the boxer guy grabbed him and kind of kept, kept him up because they yeah. were like we need to we need, need to, to get fix a couple of rounds in. Isn't that crazy that they're like yeah. there's so much money in boxing so like, much money it's fucking sure the hands are involved in boxing <gasps> and UFC oh really yes Let's go all the way to the top of George's Kin- The Kinahans are in Dubai and they all have like money in boxing. He has a podcast. What is this podcast? <laughs> I need to hear this podcast. <laughs> um, I need to hear weekend, this podcast. there was like journalists that were interviewing people. There was a journalist that was interviewing a UFC fighter and he was like, you're friends with like, I think it might be one of, like, one the, of the Kinahan sons. And he was like, well, uh, the, the Kinahan I know is a good man and he's helped me a lot in my career. Mm. And I really, I have to say, I was like, fair play to the journalist. Because loads of like, sports journalists would have been like, well, I'm not asking that question. Not touching that with a barge And phone. like the journalists I showed, I thought showed real integrity to be like, no, I'm going to ask this question. There are so many journalists with massive amounts of integrity. Um, and um, Trump came along and ruined them all. Ruined them all. But, um, Swayed them all, lads. Yeah, football's gas. Sports is gas. Do you want to hear my message I sent to... Oh, I can't see if I still have it. What is that? I sent a message to somebody about football today and he just wrote back being like, that's deep. Well, I tell you a story about football. Tell me. About the guy. So when we were in primary school, like I know nothing about sports. I didn't care about sports. I was a fat kid. I was like, I don't care about this. Um, We were in uh, fifth class and this footballer came in. I don't know, or guy player. I don't know who he was. Couldn't tell you. And he had like a little table quiz in the classroom. So they were like, we're going to do a table quiz about GAA. So it was, he put me and my two other friends who knew Lisa, my cousin and another friend of ours who knew nothing about football or football or anything else and we all had to sit there and answer questions and we were like just write down anything and we won what we won we were like sorry what do you mean? we were like table number two so he, he did like he came in he's like we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a, a, a little table quiz and whoever wins will get a jersey and I was like I don't know what to go with sports I don't know what the fuck <laughs> is it so we were just writing down random shit because we were like we don't know we fucking won no way yes we won I didn't I couldn't tell you a single thing about GAA or anything else but yeah we won it that's cool do you want your message uh, no but I said something like this is a load of bollocks uh, football man I don't know I think so I will say this the one thing that bothers me about sports I'm going to turn into a feminist now go on oh here goes here's the feminism coming out of me uh, I don't appreciate that men and boys for them to have an obsession with something is completely acceptable and it's great for boys to love the football and be interested in the football and watch the football and it's great for grown-ass men to love the football and go to football matches and sing their hearts out and cry and shout. But if a woman likes a, a band or a boy band or if a group of girls like going to boy band concerts or mm. enjoying it, it's seen as like, oh, fucking shy. That really bothers me. Yeah. That and it to this day because I was I watched Turning Red. So good. So good. Such a great movie. And I was like, this bothers me because 
you know this kind of idea of women enjoying things it's been like this forever this thing like same thing with embroidery seen as like a woman's art when it's like one of the most complicated yeah. complex beautiful art that could ever exist but because it was done by women it was pushed away and, not, away. and ignored um it just it bothers me because I'm like little girls should be allowed to enjoy things without be, it being seen as less than as lame you know what I mean or lame or they're like oh the t- uh, the know, one, really there's a couple of things that me. bother me about football um, but the biggest thing that bothers me is the amount of money they get paid they get paid so much money I just don't I don't understand Colin that. tells me what they get paid and I'm like there's a guy what? like there was a guy my dad was watching football match yesterday and he was like they paid 95 million pounds for this one footballer and I was like <sighs> I just don't understand mentally or psychologically how that could be good for the individual. No. But this um, is why so many of these football dudes that are really young, 2021, 20, lose their fucking mind. Yeah. Because they're getting handed that type of money with absolutely nobody to help them. But also, like, it's like, sports is a very psychological thing. Yeah. To be good at something and to know you're good at something is not always just based on the fact that, like, you've trained really hard no. and you're, like, physically more capable than other people. It's psychological as well. And I think psychologically to pay 95 million pound for someone and for them, like, like my, my fucking 60-year-old dad who's, like, got a beer gut and couldn't run up the stairs. It's <laughs> like... He wasn't worth that money. Yeah. And I was like, I I don't understand how you think you... And then the other thing that bothers me about football is the like... My dad, um, like men speak about it as if they can somehow influence yeah. it. And it's like, you have no part armchair, to play in this. Armchair pundits. Like you have no part to play in this at all. You were talking about some of the vicious human beings Men who get upset or annoyed or spend the whole day pissed off if their team loses. Yeah. And, that and then are like, totally, like that's totally acceptable. Like when the World Cup was on and the rates of domestic abuse went up something like 85%. Yeah. It was like, it went up 85% if the team lost and it went up 50% if they won. Yeah. Like um, for you, for you, but that a lot of I will say this: uh, a lot of men use sport instead of therapy. Yeah. A lot of men obsess about football instead of going to speak to a therapist yeah. or actually dealing with because because what it gives them is the camaraderie, it gives them friendship, it gives them like something to look forward to. So they put all their energy into that, and then they don't go to therapy. Yeah, go to therapy is what I'm saying to men. Um, but yeah, I think sports, and then even like if you think of sports, just like from a gambling side of things. Yeah. So fucking dangerous. The other day I read a, an article that said that in one football match alone, there was 750... In one, like, 90-minute football match, football matches, there were 756 or 57 times that a gambling sponsorship or ad or marketing piece popped, popped up. up. But because they, they tried... They did this thing where they were like footballers now can't so the if you buy you sponsors no you can but if you buy a kid's football jersey if the sponsorship for the company is like bet 365 the gambling thing yeah that won't be on the kid's jersey I was like oh. what's fucking matter they're watching the football match they're with their dad they're seeing, has like, I'm sure they're seeing their, their parent go gambling yeah and, buy, and, and then like in our in in England in like an off in all of the football stadiums in the stadium is like a betting shop in in the GAA in Ireland, that's illegal. God, it's crazy. You don't it? allow it. It's mad, mad how much money is pumped into that shit and how much people lose. In, but like in it. England in particular, like the laws are so flimsy. But like Ireland's not much better. But when you watch English TV, all those like paid paid those payday app loans, ones, payday loan ones, yeah. and then the like gambling and then the bingo for the women on the phones. How them. insane is it that there are TV shows in in the UK? where they send camera crews with people to, um, what you call those people that take money off or take your belongings if you don't pay your... A bailiff? Bailiffs. They do television shows 
where they follow bailiffs going to people's away. houses where if they got a loan and they can't pay back and then they just take stuff out of their gaff. I'm like, how is this a TV show? So miserable. How? This is literally, these people don't have any money. Yeah, they're, you're profiting You are on profiting poverty. off poverty. This is disgusting. That's insane. Like, it's insane. Anyway, listen, I know people like sports. I'm not shouting on sports, but like... No, I think there's lots of value in sports, but is. I think it's very difficult to get to it. Yeah. It's especially I think you have to, like, wadge through a massive amount of shots. Capitalism. But like, yeah. all those, all those, like, like, I think there's tons of great role models yeah. in, in sports. Like, Jurgen Klopp, for example, seems like a very strong... What a name. I know, yeah. Um, but he, he seems like a, a fantastic role model for people. Give it time. Like... Give it time. Knock him down. Give it time. Um, like, and I know Ryan Keane's a miserable bastard, but the man has <laughs> he integrity. He makes me laugh. That would be me just said yeah, so like He has absolute integrity. For me, when I was a kid growing up, one of the reasons why I liked football and I wanted to be in football was one, I was like, I wanted to feel like part of like, and the only people I did like, not that whole thing of like, and that's internalized misogyny to be like, I don't like hanging around with girls. Yeah, no, but like, I, we, um, all, we all did that at some yeah, point in our lives. Um, yeah. But I liked feeling like I was part of a team and then the other thing is that like I was complete like in terms of my interests they were very different than my sisters yeah um you were a tomboy but I don't know if that term is okay but you were a tomboy yeah um but like when you get into it like it's a very very like dangerous way of living your life no absolutely I agree agree. um and there's tons there's tons of false idols in it Oh, that's it. Like, and then it's like looking at these 25-year-old dudes that have like 150,000 a week and are like crashing Mercedes and, and beating, their girlfriends. beating their girlfriends. and it's Or raping them. Raping, and they're saying, no, I don't yeah, want sex with you. And that guy, yeah. And it's like, that's what's become, you know. Or they're going on football pitches where people are calling the N-word. Yeah. And that's being accepted oh, and tolerated. Oh racism is so prevalent in, in football. In football. It's um, crazy, like, and it's like all of that, like, and, it, and then all, like if you want to get into how dangerous it is, FIFA is literally ignoring humans, human rights laws and purposely going to Saudi Arabia for the World yeah. Cup. Like, the football is... And that's the thing that's toxic about it. Yeah. And when you get into that with people... Like, my dad, I sometimes... And he'd be like, oh, it's a great game. And I'm like, no, it's not. Here's why. Yeah. Like, it... It, it was at one point. It was point. at one point. But that's what they say, isn't it? Like, they call, like, uh, Colin was telling me that lots of, like, oil magnates and... Like, all own football. All own football. Yeah. So, like, even when they were trying to do that thing, I didn't really fully understand it, but they were trying to, like, make a league. A super league. A super league or yeah. something. And then that was knocked in the head because all the football fans. But, like, that's what they need to understand. that This is just money. Yeah. It's just money, like... Ryan Reynolds and the guy from fucking... They own his football team. football club. It's crazy. You know, it's a great show, though. Um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Um, also, I just wanted to um, extend our sincerest sympathies to the families of Aiden, Aiden Moffat and Michael Snee, um, who were murdered last week in a home, two homophobic t- attacks in County Sligo. Um, it's been really hard, especially, if, you know, Colin and stuff has been very upset about it. We all have, but Colin has, you know, been obviously very upset about it. Um, just to say we're very, very sorry to their families. And it's a fucking nightmare and it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. And there is a ser- active serial killer in Ireland who has been caught, thankfully. Um, But that's what I think a lot of people are kind of just passing this off as like uh, random attacks. No. No. He actively searched out for gay men on a dating app for gay men and mutilated their bodies so and that gentleman whose name I'm sorry I don't have who was also attacked yeah um, who went to the courts and fair fucks to him and I will say it was very nice to see people cheering for him as he left the court 
to give evidence. Um, just very sorry. And we hope everybody's okay. We know you're not, but just to the LGBTQ plus community, um, we love you and we're very, very sorry. It's all fucking horrible. So it's a nightmare. Just look after each other. Yeah. Look after each other. That's all we can say. Um, mailbag. Mailbag. Or, no, or, it's no, not mailbag. What's this? House, housekeeping. 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 You're ready for this? I was watching the Dairy Girls and they were dancing to that song. And it's so fucking funny. One, no, no. The girl with the no, curly no, hair. No, no, the way she dances no, makes me laugh no, so much. Because no, no. it reminds me of the 90s. like The runner um, man. Yeah, so funny. Uh, what do I have? Uh, d- 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 I don't really have much. Uh, oh yeah, just to say the Patreon. If you want to. Oh, here. <laughs> the Patreon. This Patreon. I don't know. <laughs> we did we did all three of us sit down to record The Colour and the Shape by the Foo Fighters yes um, that did not go to plan but it didn't go to plan because emotions are very high given what we've just said there about the murders of two gay men yes um, and then the uh, vicious assault and attempted murder yep. of another gay man and then the vicious assault and attack on another gay man in Dublin. Yep. So it's like four in like just in the space four of a week and there was a trans in the space of a, a week. trans person. I'm not sure uh, how you identify but a trans person in Dundalk who was beaten to an inch of their life as yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, and so we sat down and then we asked Colin if he wanted to say a few words and it just became like an outpouring of yeah. like how we were all feeling. So it is a little bit of a bummer in terms of like but it's important and it was definitely important and cathartic for Colin yeah. to be able to like have his voice and use his platform. Yeah. Um, but that's this week's Patreon. If you want to listen. If you want to listen. You don't have to. Next week's Patreon, what are we doing? Possibly the drive. We're going to do an MMI drive. Me and Emma are going to go drive somewhere. If you've um, got any ideas for us yeah. to go drive somewhere, tell us. Give us idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Give us ideas for places for us to drive. Oh, I like that. Yeah. But not too far away. No, I don't mind. Don't be like... Come to fucking just Jesus, very expensive. Just to be like, come up the north, like we don't. Um, uh, also, Collins band Cell Games. I said this last week, but they're playing in Judge, Judge Roy, Roy Beans, Beans in Newbridge on the twenty third of this month, and it starts about seven thirty p.m. eight p.m. If y'all want to go, show your support. They're a uh, new metal, fake no moreish type of music don't know if you're into that but yeah if you want to go show your support uh, it'd be much much appreciated much appreciated much appreciated that's have all I anything have. else? I don't have anything else no one moaning us did we not have a did we not have something that we needed to, uh, uh, to fix or remedy? no <laughs> we've never done anything wrong in, in our, our lives whole lives ever we're perfect in every way so just to everybody who sends the nicest fucking messages on Instagram like we get the nicest messages oh to the to people who've been sending us stuff about New York, God bless you. In New York, like uh, me and Sarah have been to New York a couple of times, but um, hole, isn't it? Country bunghole, where, where dreams are made up. Just people that have been sending us lovely uh, things to do in New York. Like New Yorkers have been sending us shit. Uh, there's a girl called Emily who told us where to get tea. Emily, you fucking saved our lives. American tea is book. Um, so thank you so much to everybody who's been sending us like all the New Yorkers have been like go to 52nd Street down 6th Avenue on the corner of 44th and 9th and we're like we don't know where that is uh, we, will, we will have a look but thank you very very much to everybody who's been sending us lovely messages about New York City we're going in two weeks please if you believe in anything would you pray to it that we don't get COVID before pray to the Just Mother Mary pray God. to whoever you have uh, St. Anthony uh, who's the one with the animals God what's the one with the animals Padre Pio, all those lads. Animals. He's the patron saint of the animals. Padre Pio. 
Pedo's all the little animals. Padre Pio? Pio. Padre Pio is the animals. Farting wood, I think. You... No, Padre Pio is all the about the little... Saint of Farting Wherever wood. you see Padre Pio. Remember P- that show? That show fucked me up. That show fucked me up. Like, I remember watching that as a kid being like, ha, 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 what's happening? Yeah. Uh, and there was always the... What they could they? never get a break. Those two animals that freaked me out. What were the foxes? Was it the foxes? They were little shits. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't like them. Sly fox. Sly, Sly fox. fox. And then the, the one of the rabbits died. Yes. That show was I tell you, it's fucking intense shit, man. The animals of farthing wood. Um, anyway. That's, that's all I have. Do you want to do your story? I'm going to do a story now. Will we have a chocolate before you do your story? Sure, if you want. Okay, let's have a chocolate before we do your story. Attention feminists! Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain, boring old tea's getting you down? Hey, buddy, does your honey scream funny, duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug? Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder Most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com Okay. Are you comfortable? Story time. Are you ready? I love a story time I do. This week I'm going to do the murder of Shane Gagan. No idea. Do I have no idea? Maybe I do. You'd Maybe I just don't know the do. name. And my references are the Irish Times, the Independent, the Limerick Leader, well, Wikipedia, Unacademic.com, ooh, and the Irish Examiner. That's our that's our nickname. Unacademic.com. Mm-hmm. That's how people see us. Um, Two stupid bitches. So Shane was a twenty-year-old native of Limerick City. Twenty-eight. 28. Oh, he was young, fuck's sake. He worked for Air Atlanta as an aircraft fit- fisher and was a keen rugby fan. Playing as a prop with the Gary Owen with, with the Gary Owen team and was captain of the third team and he lived with his girlfriend, Jenna Barry. He was described as a nice, decent guy who was re- well respected by young and old alike. And he was a... Oh, no, he wasn't. He was described by that by the secretary of the rugby club. This guy was, like, adored. Like, people genuinely was like, he's such a lovely guy. Like, just a sweetheart. Like, an all-round lovely guy. On the 9th of November 2008, Shane watched the Ireland vs. Canada Rugby International with his friends on Saturday night. Saturday night. He then walked home through Kilterra Kilt- Housing Estate in Dora Dial at 1.30am. And at... 12.45am he like texts Jenna um, and then he said like I'm going to be leaving soon so at 1.30am he started to leave and he was like nearly home so he lived like it was like 10 minutes away yeah. uh, when gun- gunshots began to ring out and he was gunned down oh Jesus Shane managed to run to the rear of a house in Clonmore but he didn't stand a chance against a hooded killer who'd stalked him as he walked home in the early hours of Sunday morning he four shots were pumped into his body with a Glock semi-automatic pistol okay. a final shot to the head uh, and the mission was complete so he was shot three times in his body and one shot to his head to make sure he was dead Jesus Christ Shane's only mistake was to bear a slight resemblance to a drug dealer who's his ruthless assassin had been sent to kill. 
Members of the recently established regional support unit were the first at the scene after a 999 call. So the regional support unit were set up specifically to deal with the violence in Limerick. So in the uh, 90s into the early 2000s, Limerick had the highest violent crime rate in the Republic of Ireland in history. Fuck. And the term Stab City was coined by an Irish journalist. And it stuck. But it stuck for good reason. So like basically, was this, sorry, what year was this? The early 90s? 2008. So this was 2008 when this happened? Yes. Okay. Um, but up onto that point, like there's so many murders in Limerick City that I could have done of innocent, innocent people to a degree that had gotten caught up in this. Yes. But there were innocent people that were like, so um, Tracy, I can't take a Tracy surname, but Tracy is a woman who lived in Limerick in the 90s and who was like violently murdered by another Limerick woman oh, who was in sake. my Ross, which is a really which is where like most of the troubles happened okay. in Limerick. Yeah. Um, there is a thing about people calling Limerick Strap City and s- people are horribly offended by it. There's a thing for everywhere in Ireland. Literally. Like every county Literally, in Ireland has yeah. a name that was like coined and stuck. But I did like read this like re- I heard this saying where it was like and Dubliners like to like gleebly like make fun of it and enjoy calling it Stab City because like there it almost like diminishes the level of crime that happens in Dublin and I was like I'm from Dublin and that's bullshit yeah like like when I go to your state or when I go to Longford I know people are like oh it's from Ballybama yeah, from Ballybama yeah. like, like I remember a certain person that we know uh, his mother I told her one time was going to Ballyferma and she was like oh don't they eat their young there yeah so everyone's like I'm from Longford like get called a sheep shagger 24 hours a day like it's not but the thing about Limerick and like I will say like in terms of like the level of violent crimes that were happening in Limerick at this time there is no other place in Ireland that holds a record for that amount of murders and violent crimes that was happening so completely odd. around uh, it, it happened because of the recession it was a recession so the okay. recession essentially is what pushed it in people had no money and uh, at the time in the 90s Limerick had a population of 100,000 oh wow okay so a really small population yeah. but because of like the recession and such a small population they got very little money and then the likes of my Ross where it's all social housing and that's where crime stems from le- and from is where crime, yeah crime stems yeah. from that um so but they have a great fried chicken place these they have. fucking as I said to you <laughs> the probably the best fried chicken place in Ireland um has your original recipe to KFC <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, or the regional support unit who were first at the scene after 999 was called were the calls were made from concerned residents who had heard so- sounds of gunshots the gunman so the per- his poor girlfriend looked out the window and saw the gunman oh woman. for fuck's sake so she heard the gunshots and looked out the window and saw a gunman the gunman ran to a passenger side of a navy blue people carrier this vehicle was left in kill Tira estate turned so it left the Kiltira estate turned left into the main Dora Doyle road they believe this may have been the people carrier used to transport the gunman and it was stolen on the 16th of October from Killinone Bally Simon area of Limerick the car was seen parked at an apartment complex in Ballycommon and it was last seen outside block B at 6.30pm on the 8th of November in 2008 it had left this car space by 8.30pm in the aftermath, there was just no clear reason why Shane would have been gunned down. Gun violence in Ireland is predominantly gang or, gangland related. It very rarely spills over into civilian crime. And the times where it does is like the likes of a farmer or like that kind of thing. It's always like shotguns. Yeah. It's never like this is an a automatic Glock. Glock. 
Like, fuck me. A semi-automatic. So, it was just really, like, not... And no one could figure out, like, what had happened to her. So, on the morning of November 9th, Ireland's most violent city at the time woke to the news that another man had been killed on the streets. Numbed by stories of savage feuding, locals thought it was another case of tugs killing tugs. Another man known to the Garda caught up in a drug-fueled brawl. But as word of the victim's innocent filtered through, it provoked an outpouring of anger across of Ireland. Do you not remember this? Like, I, I remember, and I don't know if it's because where you were from. I don't remember this at all. But because I was from Ballyferma and things like this happen in Ballyferma, I remember, like, this was all my parents spoke about for weeks. Really? Because it was like, that could have been Richie. That could have been yeah, me. That could have been, been anybody. Like, the only thing that Shane did wrong was he looked like a drug dealer that li- lived four doors down from him. sake. The murder was then linked to an ongoing feud between rival gangs in Limerick. At least 13 people had been murdered already in a turf war between the McCarty Dundon and Keane Colliby gangs. And there has also been cases of abduction and torture within this gang. It is believed that Shane bore a resemblance to a drug dealer called John McNamara, who was the target of a contract killing and lived nearby. That's like that. Remember that chap that was murdered in Ballyfermot? Remember he was working on a house or something? No, that wasn't Ballyfermot. That was Singlis. Singlis, sorry. And he was working on a house. Yeah, he was an electrician. And the but he didn't look like anybody. He just, it just What happened like... is his dad had left to go get them lunch. <sighs> and whoever owned the house, was, the killing was to be done to him. And he's come in and shot that came in and shot him. There's a guy in Ballyfermot who used to deliver meat. And there was a, a a lady in the IRA came down and shot him. But it was oh, a case of mistake. I remember identity. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. On November 12, 2008, Shane's funeral was held. 2,000 people attended and they wow. lined the streets outside the church in the Requiem Mass at St. Joseph's Church in O'Connell Street. With mourners led by Gagan's parents, Tom and Mary, his brother Anthony and his girlfriend Jen. Some mourners held placards with the words enough written on them as the coffin of shame passed by. The people of Limerick stood in solidarity with the Gagan family. Taoiseach Brian Cowan was represented by his aide, the comp commandant, Michael Tracy. The government was represented by Minister for Defence and Limerick TD, Willie O'Dea, while a regional assistant commissioner represented the Garda. Members of the Limerick City Council also attended. Shane's rugby teammates from Gary from Gary Owen formed a guard of honour for the funeral mass. The club was also hosting a private function in its clubhouse following the mass and the burial of Mr. Gagan's family and friends. Speaking at the Requiem Mass, Chief Celebrant Father Jim Marr said that the shooting dead of Mr. Gagan had caused an outrage and anger in Limerick. The tragedy and affront of the sacredness of life and to the community is another sad reflection of the more sinister aspects of our city. Mr. Gagan was buried in the old Munger Cemetery in the suburbs of Limerick City. He's buried beside his 11-year-old sister who died of leukaemia. Sarah, fuck off. Yeah, he's like buried right beside her. It's very sad. Oh, this poor family. What the fuck? So, the Catholic Bishop of Limerick described the death as senseless killing. A minute silence was held before Ireland's match against New Zealand and Park. So I remember that. I don't remember any of this. What the fuck? Why don't I remember any of this? <laughs> I was just having a great time in 2008. Jesus Christ. Um, the following weekend at the game between Munster and New Zealand and Toma Park. So like the following weekend was that minutes of silence in Crow Park. Yeah. That match. yeah, 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 yeah. The Gary Owen, uh, they retired the number three jersey because that was his jersey um, for the remainder of the season. And in the doll, Shane's death was described as an obscenity that could not be tolerated in civilised society. Minister for Justice equally 
equality and law reform Dermot Herm called his killer scum. Whoa. Wow, they weren't fucking around with that, were they? Oh my God, this poor family. He said they would be caught and put out of business. (sighs) Armed guards were deployed on the estates where he lived. So like the the entire estate went into like... Because the other thing is that like Shane's family were like fearless. They didn't give a fuck. They did not hide. They did. They went on TV. Like they were like... They're fucks. So they were like, we're going to talk about this. You're not going to scare us. Yeah. So he said they would be caught and put out of business. Armed guards were deployed on the estate where he lived. Teams of plane loads detective flooded the streets. Within hours, dozens of raids on suspected gangsters had been carried out. Up to 200 guards worked on the murder inquiry, with 50 officers dedicated to the case on a daily basis. Searches were carried out and resulting in seizures of handguns, ammunition and drugs. One of the leaders of the McCarthy Dundon crime family handed themselves into the Garda following the shooting out of fear of being murdered himself. During the investigation, some of the suspects... This made me laugh. Some of the suspects were tracked via their Bebo pages. <laughs> oh my God. This is so 2008. <laughs> Do you remember Bebo, lads? Bebo. Oh my God. The social networking sites were identified as a problem in glorifying gun crimes. So do you remember Bebo? Like, because I would have known people on Bebo that like definitely were like sharing, no! sharing these types of videos. And like, no, Bebo to me was like, oh, it's a, it's no, a Bebo had like a really dark undercurrent. Jesus, that's crazy. Um, Mary Gagan and Jenna Barry, who's uh, Shane's partner, appeared on Crime Line. Appeared on Crime Line. Oh, they spoke bravely uh, and called out the killer to hand themselves in. Mary bore the loss of her firstborn son with dignity and courage. She quietly and calmly pleaded with the public on tel- on television to help find his killer. Shane was her rock, her darling son, who had helped her through the de- death of her daughter Katie who lost her battle against leukemia at 11 and now both of them were buried side by side in Mungret's cemetery where friends and strangers stopped to pay their respects every day. It's sad. Oh my God. That's poor family. So the next now, the next thing that happens is quite complicated. Okay. So I've done this in a timeline. Okay. So February 28, 2009 Barry Dial, a 23-year-old from Portland Row in Dublin, is arrested and charged with the murder of Shane Gagan at a special court sitting in Limerick. Barry Dial was charged at the weekend during a special sitting of Limerick District Court. He's one of 16 people arrested last week as part of a massive guard inquiry into the death. Eight men and eight women were arrested in a series of pre-planned searches carried out in Limerick, Dublin and County Tipperary. So like the guards just went like... They were like, just arrest fucking everybody. Everyone, the government were just like, like we need to do this. Something like, has to be done. The entire country was like, this is a fucking disgrace. Something has to be done. The, the majority of those taken into custody, custody were arrested in Limerick City, where 120 Gardaí were involved in interviewing the suspects at separate Garda stations over a number of days. So they purposely separated all these people as well. All of those remaining in custody were released over the weekend after that time. And some are expected to, some did appear in court over the coming days on unrelated matters. But Mr. Doyle, who was originally from Dublin, who now has an address in Hyde Road, Limerick, was charged with murder during a special court sitting at Limerick District Court on Saturday. Up to 20 detectives, including members of the National Bureau of Crime Investigation, were present inside the courtroom, while members of armed regional support units were patrolled outside. 
So then he thought that this guy was going to get caught. That he was oh, going to get shot. He was going to get shot. Mm. Detective Garda Sean Lynch of Roxborough Garda Station in Limerick gave evidence of the arresting and formally charging Mr Doyle at 3.15pm on Saturday afternoon at Brough Garda Street in County Limerick. Judge Tom O'Donnell, O'Donnell was told that the 23-year-old replied, I have nothing to say in response to the charge. Solicitor Michael O'Donnell was appointed to represent Mr Doyle, who was also assigned free legal aid. Inspector Seamus Rowan said that the state was seeking to have the accused remanded in custody until next Friday. Judge Tom O'Donnell said because of the nature of the charge, the issue of bail was a matter for the High Court. He remanded the accused in custody to appear before the same court again on Friday. Dressed in grey and white hoodie and jeans, which I hate. They always, whenever... Why do they... Every time I'm like, lads, just put a suit on, please. I know, but I hate that the media does this thing where they like... They, they focus on that. Yeah, because it's like the hoodie in is the problem. But that's... See, this is the issue though as well. Because I feel like if that chap just put a suit on, maybe people would stop being like, oh, the hoodie is the problem. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they act, they actively do this to be like, fuck you. Yeah. That's what they're doing like. Barry Doyle remained silent throughout the brief court hearing. Limerick's most senior guard at Chief Chief Superintendent Jerry Mahon was also present for the court sitting. He admitted to killing Gagan on the 15th interview. So like Barry on his 15th interview said, I, I he said to one in which he told Gardy, yeah, I shot him. It's video recorded. Doyle later refused to name anyone else involved, but removed a set of rosary beads from around his neck as a memento of his dead brother for the Garda to give to the Gagan family as a mark of his remorse. What? So, February 15, 2012, Barry Doyle is jailed for life after a jury finds him guilty for killing Mr. Gagan by shooting him as he walked home. Doyle was interviewed 23 times by Garda and during the 15th he confessed to the murder but subsequently pleaded not guilty during his trial. This always happens. During the final day of evidence, a Garda sergeant rejected suggestions from lawyers representing Mr. Doyle that a defendant had been offered an inducement, which is essentially a plea, like a deal. Oh, okay. It was claimed that an agreement had been reached whereby Mr. Doyle would admit to shooting Shane Gagan if his girlfriend, who had been arrested, was released. What? Detective Sergeant Mark Phillips said he informed Mr. Doyle's solicitor that such a deal would be considered and an inducement would not hold up in court so he was like no. we'll, but I don't think that's going to happen he was told then that in no uncertain terms would that happen it was made very very clear Detective Sergeant Phillips told the court he said when the deal was brought to the table it was rejected immediately of course during the court case evidence was her evidence heard that Barry was hired by John Dundon head of the Dundon gang in Limerick Barry Doyle shot the victim mistakenly after Dundon had instructed him to kill another man, John Pitchfork McNamara was this guy's nickname, who lived nearby. So this then puts it all into question. So now August 17, 2012, and John Dundon is like one of the heads of that Dundon gang. Like he is... He's up there. Up there. On August 17, 2012, Limerick man John Dundon, 29, appears before the special court and becomes the second person to be charged with Shane Gagan's murder. Oh. On May 21st, this becomes insufferable, by the way. What the fuck? 2013. So from August 17 now until May 21st. 
Dundon brings a high court action aimed at delaying the start of his trial. Uh, he's now essentially in prison. So he's in jail waiting to go to court. Yeah. So Dundon brings a high court action aimed at delaying the start of his tri- trial. His lawyers claim they need up to 500 working days to go through a large volume of material. Of course they fucking do. Including CCTV footage and documentation which was furnished to them by the state a month earlier. 500 days. The high court was adjourned to next week. So when he brings this forward, it's adjourned. To next week, Limerick man John Dunlan's application to delay the start of his trial for the murder of the rugby player Shane Gagan. In seeking the delay, Dundon claims that he cannot get a fair trial because his lawyers have not been given sufficient time to go through the large volume of material, including CCTV footage and documentation about the case furnished to them by the state. That the material was only furnished by the prosecution a month ago. It includes 26,082 pages of evidence, 1,226 discs of CCTV, Two hard drives and a memory stick were disclosed to his solicitors since late late April. The accused lawyers claim they need up to 500 days to go through all material and want the trial put off until 2014. Dundon, with an address of Hyde Park in Limerick, is due to stand trial for the murder. It's due to start on November 9, 2008, before a non-jury special criminal court. The trial is expected to last for three weeks. Just, could, I often think, you know, uh, obviously we always talk about solicitors doing certain jobs. Do you think they're afraid of these people? I would say there's a bit of that to a degree, but no, I think they just want money, Emma. Maybe, yeah. Like, and then there probably is a thing where like a month doesn't sound like enough time to go through all that. It's a lot of evidence. So, so maybe five, they're like, for us to day, do our job. 500 days is a piss take. Yeah, maybe like, they're like, for us to do our job, we do need to. Take. But it's like, it, this gets worse, right? So I'll go through it. It does sound like something else was going on here. I'm having a great time. All right. Um, this one took a while, as you can tell. There was just tons of like court yeah, yeah, information. Yeah. Um, so he also he's also seeking a temporary injunction preventing his trial from going ahead until his high court action has been determined. So he was like, "I'm not going to court until the high court tells me if I have that I have to." This man knows his rights. Um. Mr. Justice Michael White directed that the application for a leave be heard in the presence of lawyers at the Special Criminal Court, judges and the DPB, DPP. When, today, when the matter returned before the judge, the court heard both sides were consenting to an adjournment. This was to permit the sides to exchange sworn statements. So that is May 21st, 2013. June 3rd. So it's try essentially a, mo- a month later he's going to court. Jesus Christ. So June 3rd, 2013, the night before Dundon is due to go on trial, he's treated in hospital. He had claimed to be on hunger strike for one week. Alright. He has been on hunger strike for around one week, but it appears he unofficially stopped eating the week before last and had in recent days stopped taking fluids. Dundon was being housed in a segregation area in Portlaoise Prison and was unresponsive when staff checked on him in his cell after 4pm today. He was taken from prison by ambulance and was and was undergoing a medical examination in the hospital. He had recently made efforts in the High Court to have his murder trial deferred until next year. Dundon's lawyers claimed that they had been ambushed saying that the Garda in recent weeks gave them a large volume of material and they couldn't get through it and they were just a bunch of lazy bastards. <laughs> um, 
They claimed Dundon's right to a fair trial is at risk and the trial should be deferred to 2014. However, Mr. Justice John Hedigan in the High Court last Friday ruled the trial would go ahead. This is six years, dude, this has been going on. June 4th, 2013. A wheelchair-bound Dundon appears before the Special Criminal Court wearing only a pair of dark-coloured boxers. This is what they always do. Dundon's counsel, Martin O'Rourke, said his client could not get his own clothes after being discharged from hospital and had refused to wear prison clothes that were made available to him. Can't go to pennies, no? <laughs> a wheelchair-bound John Dundon appeared in a state of undress <laughs> before the Special Criminal Court this morning to hear that his trial for the murder of Gary Owen rugby player Shane Gagan had been adjourned until Friday. So because he did all this nonsense, it got adjourned again. again. Mr. Justice Butler said the court would not micromanage every matter, telling Mr. O'Rourke, if your client is not going to appear appropriately dressed in court, then he will be absent from court. Good man. Mr. O'Rourke said there were currently proceedings before the Supreme Court as the defence had written the Chief Justice, as the defence had written to Chief Justice Susan Denham for an expedited hearing on the decision of the special criminal court not to grant an adjournment in the case. So even though the adjournment was not granted, they were now going to the special criminal court to be like, why? This is ludicrous. Dundon's defence team had sought an adjournment for the matter until 2014 in the interests of a fair trial after they received, as I said, thousands of pages. The special criminal court refused the adjournment after finding it had the to balance the potential danger to the life of the proposed chief prosecution witness against the danger of Dundon not receiving a fair trial. So they were literally like, we, like they literally were like, we're not really 100% sure that you are going to get a fair trial. Yeah. But the person that's giving evidence against you is putting their life at risk. And we can't keep them for an entire year safe. So like we need to expedite this because you're you're dangerous and you're going to kill this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. July 2nd, 2013, Dundon is taken to hospital oh my God. for a head injury on the opening day of his trial. Shocker. After earlier informing the court he was illiterate and that he sacked his legal team electing to represent himself. They love doing this, don't they? A gaunt wheelchair-bound Mr. Dundon Dundon appeared in the morning for the arraignment at the non-jury special criminal court. Just so everybody's aware, the reason there is no jury in this case is because they would be murdered. Literally. In June, the court heard Mr. Dundon inform prison authorities on May 30th that he was going on hunger strike and thirst strike. (laughs) He did not appear for the scheduled opening of the trial yesterday afternoon after evidence was heard that he had cut his head after fainting in his cell and he was being brought to the hospital. Assistant Chief Officer Peter Kelly told Tom O'Connell, prosecuting, that at lunchtime yesterday, the call system was activated in the cell where John Dundon and another man, Nathan Killeen, aged 23, were held. The prison officer said Mr. Mr. Killeen informed him Mr. Dundon had fainted and cut his head. Mr. Kelly said that when he entered the cell, he noticed Mr. Dundon was lying on the floor with a small cut on his head. He said he notified the Chief Prison Officer... And they moved Mr. Killeen to a secure area, assessed Mr. Dundon's breathing and put him in the correct recovery position. Mr. Kelly said that Mr. Dundon was being assessed by paramedics from the Dublin Fire Brigade and it was proposed to take him to hospital for further checks. Mr. Kelly confirmed no other person other than Mr. Killeen had access to cell at lunchtime. Mr. O'Connell said that he proposed the call 
to call medical evidence this morning that may assist in assessing what had occurred and whether the accused man had sought to frustrate the criminal process and harm himself. It's clearly what he did. Presiding Judge Mr. Justice Nicholas Kearns said the court would not take would not make any assessment until the medical evidence was heard. Could you imagine being that poor chap's family? Oh, they must like, be just fucking up to their eye teeth at this point. Like, Asked by the judge if he could confirm the accuracy of what he said, Mr. Dunnant replied, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't be laughing at this. Jesus Christ. Oh, everybody go to jail. Mr. Just- Justice Kearns told Mr. Dunnant's legal representatives they were free to go. However, after the murder charge was read to him by the court register, Mr. Dunnan said, I plead not guilty, but it's a different legal team I'm looking for. Mr. Justice Nicholas Kearns told Mr. Dunnan he had confirmed that he wished to withdraw his instructions, did not wish to engage in a new legal team and wished to defend himself. Told by Mr. Justice Kearns that he had been asked only a few moments ago to confirm this, Mr. Dunnan replied, I thought you meant a new legal team. The accused man uh. added that he could not read or write. You have elected to do the case yourself and you will do the case yourself, said Mr. Justice Kearns. So he's like, you've said goodbye to your legal yeah, team. You said you didn't want him. You're going to do it yourself, buddy. He told the accused man that every possible assistance will be granted to him and he will be given every opportunity to ask questions and will be furnished with a daily transcript of the hearings. Awesome. So Dunham's just like, I think he was like, if I do this, it'll like defer, like it'll be delayed again. He's delayed it again, yeah. But this judge was like, no. No, you said what you said. (sighs) July 8, 2013. The trial is adjourned again. Oh, so you just took a shit in a bucket or something. (laughs) What did he do? (laughs) Not him. After a key witness for the prosecution, April Collins is hospitalised due to a medical problem. Miss Collins had been pregnant. And suffered the loss of her baby. Oh no. And was at the maternity hospital in Limerick. Her pregnancy had not gone full term. The case had been listed for mention. So essentially it got listed to be to go back to court the next day. But it was adjourned for two weeks. Because Again? this lady that needed lady. time. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's probably the only valid one there. So the Sunday Independent then learned that despite her ordeal, Miss Collins is expected to attend court that week and is in a position to provide testimony so that's July 8th it -hmm. then comes back July 23rd Mr. Gagan's girlfriend Jenna Barry testifies in court on July 23rd that she went outside her home so she's now being like um, harassed and threatened so she went outside her home upon hearing two loud bangs and saw a young man run into a people carrier with a gun which then sped off after somebody screamed drive 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 so they're like shooting at the house yeah July 25th, 2013, April Collins tells the Special Criminal Court that she heard Dundon organise a botched murder during during a meeting between him, her partner Jer Dundon, and Nathan Killeen, Mikey Casey, and Barry Doyle. She said that John Dundon told Doyle, the gun is there, you go kill him. July 31st, 2013, Lisa Collins, a sister of April, testifies that she heard John Dundon plan a killing a couple of weeks before Mr. Gagan was murdered. April and her sister, Lisa Collins, and Christopher McCarty were 
the central prosecution's witnesses. April Collins had been in a relationship at the time with the accused brothers, Jared Dunlan, and Christopher McCarthy was the accused's first cousin. April Collins said that the night before the murder, she and Jared Dunlan were at the home of John Dundon and his partner, Kira Killeen. Also present was Kira Killeen's brother, Nathan Killeen, Liam Casey and Barry Doyle. April Collins told how she heard John Dunlan ordered Barry Doyle to kill John McNamara, giving him a description of him. She also heard him say he had sourced a gun and then assigned the shooting to one man and the job of driving the getaway car to another. She was present the next morning when Dundon discovered the wrong man had been killed. John started panicking, giving out to Barry that it was a wrong man, not Johnny Mac. She had said in evidence he was saying, you hit the wrong man. Barry was saying, it is him. The way you described him, that's the man I killed. In cross-examination, the mother of four denied leading a charmed life, saying she was under Garda protection 24-7. She n- denied being primed by Garda in giving her evidence. Like She literally is putting her own life She at, is putting her entire life, life at in risk. danger. Like Lisa Collins had been living with Christopher McCarthy and she gave evidence that she had previously heard John Dundon say to Barry Doyle, we're going to kill that cunt referring to John McNamara. Lisa Collins gave evidence that Dundon put pressure on her and McCarthy to steal the Renault Espace, but she did not know why. And on the night of the murder, Barry Doyle and John Dundon came to the house. Dundon told Christopher McCarthy, John Mac is dead. Right. The next day, she heard of the shooting of Mr. Gagan. She later saw the image on of the car on Crime Call on TV. And at that moment, she felt sick because she realised it was the car that she was had stolen. Oh, my God. The court heard both Lisa Collins and Christopher McCarthy had been granted immunity from prosecution. This is nuts. It's so insane. August 13, 2013. John Dundon has been found guilty of murder. And sentenced to life in prison for his role in shooting dead of in shooting dead Sh- Shane Gagan. The guilty verdict was delivered at the non jury tree judge special criminal court. Dundon was wearing a black Adidas tracksuit. He was sat listening to music on headphones. He showed no emotion as the verdict was delivered by Mr. Justice Nicholas Kearns. The decision was greeted by silence in the packed courtroom, where a member of Mr. Gagan's family were present. Dundon entered the court with the headphones around his neck and did not stand as the three judges entered the court in the morning. Before the judgment was read out, Brendan Nix SC, so he's now defending, Mm -hmm. asked Mr. Justice Nicholas Kearns to rescue himself from the case. He said this was because of the remarks he he had made at an appeal at a separate case in the Court of Criminal Appealing, appeal about ongoing gangland feuds that could create the potential perception of bias. So he was pretty much like, you need to rescue me from this case because there's like bias in it. And then Mr. Mr. Justice Kearns rejected. This is preposterous. Is that how you said it word? Mm -hmm. And proceeded with the judgment. Dundon put his headphones on and sat with his chin resting on his hands. Listen to rap music (laughs) as the final 23 pages of the 84 page decisions were read out. He clutched the headphones more tightly to his ears as the judgment progressed. This is like pushing him in so he couldn't hear anything. Mr. Justice Kern said the case had been all about credibility and they accepted the evidence of the prosecution's witnesses. 
Members of the Gagan family, including Shane's mother, Mary, his brother, Anthony, and his girlfriend, Jenna Barry, and Margaret Walsh sat at the back of the courtroom, courtroom as the verdict was read out. Dundon never took the stand to give any evidence during the trial. Brendan Nix, defending, suggested the evidence of the key state witnesses in the, tri- in the trial was not credible. However, the chief prosecution witness, April Collins, gave evidence of hearing Dundon order the killing of John McNamara and then panicking when he realised the wrong man had been shot. Sean Guerin, prosecuting, had argued it was Dundon's careless description of the intended yeah, target like, that led to Mr. Gagan's what death. What description did he give? A man? Like, like, yeah, no, honestly. These. Why don't you have pictures? It's insane. You've just been like, uh, some fella, black hair, yeah, lives in this road. What the fuck? John Dundon bears direct responsibility for anyone who might have been shot. He said, the carelessness tragically caused the death of Shane Gagan. Shane During the trial, the court heard the car used by the killer was a Reynolds space, a space that was stolen from outside a pub. Lisa Collins and Christopher McCarthy admitted stealing the car after being threatened by Dundon. The verdict was reached by Mr. Justice Kearns, Judge John O'Hagan and Judge John Judge William Hamill. Speaking after today's verdict... Garda Commissioner Martin Callanan welcomed the conviction of John Dundon for Shane Gagan's murder. Commissioner Callanan said the forces taught the forces' thoughts and prayers are with the family of Mr. Gagan, and they were aware of what a difficult day it had been for them. The commissioner also stated that the investigation demonstrated clearly the determination of the Garda Shiakana to pursue fully individuals or groups involved in these types of serious crimes. Today's verdict endorses the capacity of the state to deal with the most serious and difficult criminal cases. He also congratulated officers involved in this painstaking and lengthy investigation. And that is the murder of Shane Gagan. That's fucking crazy. And the fact that like, that the the description thing is what gets me. That he was just, was like, just like, just go on the road, there's a the man. Sir, do you not have pictures? The whole thing is just bananas like, like. you. This poor chap was massacred outside his fucking house because your stupid ass couldn't give a picture to somebody to be like, this is what he looks like. I'm not shocked by any of this because the gangland stuff is nuts and the lack of fear that they have for authority, for authority and for the guardie and for the ju- judicial or disrespect. System, they don't care. Like they just simply do not care to sit with earphones on as your future is being read to you. Where they're like, you are going to jail for the rest of your life. Well, you know, they're probably in fucking 10 years or whatever. Um, I don't remember this at all. I don't understand how you don't remember this. I don't remember this at all. And I am so sorry to those, that family, the Gagan family. Like, that's beyond horrific. And it just, he, they made a mockery of like. An absolute mockery. A fucking joke of it. Like, the fact that he was like, I don't have any clothes. Yeah, I'm just going to sit in court in the. You're going to put in your shitty shorts? Yeah. Like, oh man, I don't know. It's so sad. They lost their 11 year old daughter to cancer, and then their son was an innocent man was shot in his fucking front garden. Like, that, as a family, they must think, you know what, we're fucking cursed at this point. Like, because so what sad. else could possibly go wrong? Um, but good job, dude. That was incredibly sad. It's just such a, like, when I, it's just the whole thing. I remember, I remember when I was a kid. Like, I don't remember a, this at all, but you know what? I'm glad they're both in jail. But even that, Emma, like that, that thing of them being in jail, like the Dun, the Dunham brothers are both in jail now. Yeah. Um, I'm nearly sure there was an attempted escape. 
Oh, really? Yeah. By Dundon? Yeah, to escape. <laughs> Would not be surprised at all. Um, And then that guy, Barry... John Barry? Yeah. He's in prison, but like... Are they in the same prison? No. no. There's all these weird pictures of him with no clothes on. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, Jesus Christ. Like... Um, but isn't it crazy, though, to just have no... To just be like, we are outside everything and we don't care what happens and we're just going to do whatever we want to do. And we have no fear and no... Like, I imagine just living your life like that. It must be fucking insane. Um, Nuts. But good job, dude. Thanks. I have to say... Excellent job. Putting that story together was a pain in the hole. <laughs> a pain in the fanny. Like... Oh, but you did a great job. Because uh, it's just like... I'm just sorry to... I know I always say this at the end of the episodes, but I'm just so sorry to the Gagan family. Like, And you know what it is? It's 2022 or whatever. That was years ago. But they're still living with that. Oh, 100%. They wake up every day and their, and their son, son and their daughter is dead. And they have to deal with the fact that it's part of like an ongoing feud that they had nothing, nothing to, to do, do with. It. And then because their son was shot, they're all of a sudden embroiled in the fucking thing. Yeah. And like, and that girl coming out... And they're out, being threatened. Yeah. That girl coming out was who was like, yeah, he did it. Like... Risking her life mm-hmm. because she saw that an innocent man had been killed for yeah. no reason. Like, um, no, it's also, and that's the thing as well. Like, pe- like it is portrayed in the media as like tugs killing tugs. Yeah, like she was just killing them each other, and it's like, yeah, but that's not okay. That's not okay. Like, and even like None when they're like okay. all the descriptions of like, oh, you know, they're all wearing tracksuits and all the rest, and it's like in this case, yeah, absolutely, he didn't care about the court. No, but like. People from like Limerick, people from Ballyferma, people from Clondalkin, people from like social housing areas are written about in the media in such a way that it's like we're all school. Oh, it's classism. Yeah. And to the um, highest. But that's like that story I did last week about Shannon Matthews. That entire area was just branded by the English media as scum. Yeah. Filth. So whatever happens, let them just kill each other. Yeah. Like, what is this? You can't. This isn't some fucking sort of island you can shove all the people you don't like onto so they murder each other. Yeah. And then innocent people are being caught in it. Um, who have done nothing wrong. Like. So yeah, I did get a little upset when I was doing the the funeral in particular. The funeral always gets me. And okay. I remember seeing those scenes of those women that had the like, enough. That they yeah. were like, I'm like, we're I'm living I'm in hell. A- you're living in hell. They're going through hell. They're going through hell, those people. Like, those people in Limerick are literally like, we just want to raise our kids, you know, hell of our lives, go to school, go to college, get job. But we can't because people are murdering each other left, right and centre. And it's fucking horrific. Um, Thankfully, my Ross seems to have gotten an awful lot better. That's great. And the, like, level of, like, murders... It's gone down. Gone down. But, like, that has a way of, like, being insidious in in insepid within, like communities it's sad and it's shit and um, I always say like whenever I see stuff like this I'm like imagine just trying to live your life and the skull going on behind you yeah that's you know it. what I mean but good job dude anyway everybody go and have a great week enjoy your lives and have the best time we're going to New York in two weeks we're going to New York in two weeks we don't care about anything else <laughs> and me and Emma are officially <laughs> clocked oh, out we're on holiday mode my favourite t-shirt has a hole in it a big hole in our ditty um and we're gonna fix it though. We're gonna fix it. You can't it. notice it when the white bra's underneath. Is that you white top or a white it's bra? It's a white bra. You can't notice. I um, wanna notice that unless you pointed it out to me. Stop making it worse. <laughs> what are you doing? Um Stop making it worse. Um What are you gonna do nice for yourself this uh, week? 
Oh dear, got to eat an Easter egg that you got me. Sarah, oh. got, Sarah got me a gorgeous Lind Easter egg. I'm very excited about I it. I hope everybody had a lovely Easter. Yes, I hope you all enjoyed. Eat, ate loads of chocolate. Jesus's birthday, his second birthday. Gave a high five to the Lord. Woo! Um, he has risen from, from the, the dead, dead and he is Lord. Show you were a master. There was always some when that was. Like, <laughs> I know, know I know who she was in my village I won't say her name she was I remember one time we were we were in mass and we were singing in a little choir and we were singing a song and then the song ended and I didn't know the song ended <laughs> and I went to sing an X first and then I was like oh no I was like I'm never doing this again Scarlet for myself um, but you're going be grand I am here now nope <laughs> I don't know the words Listen everybody go What are the words? I am here Lord It is I Lord Lord Okay everybody go and have a nice week Happy Christmas Hug your ma Don't hug your ma she's a bitch <laughs> Sarah said that Sarah Jane Lives in a house with a daughter Lily and her husband Grain God, talk for a little while now for a long I know you like to throw on some Jenny Lowe Saddle up them sexy horses, yo The kids from MMI